What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Left by itself, that ark would have been a deathbed. For, for Moses, for baby Moses, he would have died from a number of ways. He would have died from hunger, or he would have died by drowning as the, the ark got swamped with water, or he would have died most likely by having been found by an Egyptian, say here, and thrown into the river Nile to obey the king. Or he could have been eaten by the, the crocodiles of the Nile. Uh, apart from those dangers, he was very safe. But Moses was saved. Moses was saved as a baby, Moses was saved when he was absolutely helpless as a baby and he could do nothing to save himself. And this is, this is what the Lord Jesus described about himself when he was on the cross. Who knows, but that the Lord Jesus was thinking back on the helplessness of the baby Moses and how God saved him as the Lord Jesus was on the cross and he was thinking about his own helplessness as a baby when he said in Psalm 22.9, Psalm 22.9, when he said to God, Thou art he that took me out of the womb. Thou didst make me hope when I was upon my mother's breasts. I was cast upon thee from the womb. Thou art my God from my mother's belly. So looking back on what happened to him as a baby, Moses felt he was a stranger. He was a stranger. He was a stranger even to his own home. He was abandoned by his mother, his family, and his people essentially abandoned him there on that ark. And that's kind of like Jewish believers are, like me. For example, in Psalm 27.10, oftentimes Jewish believers will experience an abandonment and that's why Psalm 27.10 is so valuable when it says, when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. As in my case, my father and mother, it was first my father was the most rejecting of me. They will, they will forsake either because of faith in the Lord Jesus or doesn't have to even be like that. Not even Jewish people, all people, or there's forsaking because of death. Christian was just talking about those fathers who may have passed away or our spouse, my case, my wife, 
It's a forsaking. Whatever the reason is, the promise is precious that the Lord's there to take up. So the word take up is so precious because it's the word asaf, asaf. And it means to gather, to gather together, like a shepherd gathers the sheep. And this was, for example, where the word is used in Genesis 29.7, Genesis 29.7, when Jacob was speaking and he said, he said, lo, it's high day, neither is it time that the cattle should be gathered together. Asef, water ye the sheep. Asef is also used to describe when people are gathered together for a big feast, as in Genesis 29.22, when Laban had a big feast. And it says, Laban gathered together all the men of the place and made a feast. But maybe the most precious use of this word, asef, it is used to describe what happens to a believer when he passes away and is gathered. It says that about Abraham. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all at their passing, this word was used. Genesis 25.8, Genesis 25.8. Then Abraham gave up the ghost and died in a good old age, an old man, full of years, and was gathered to his people, asef. And then Isaac, in Genesis 35, 29, Genesis 35, 29, Isaac gave up the ghost and died and was gathered unto his people, Asaph, being old and full of days, and his sons Esau and Jacob buried him. And then finally, the last patriarch, Jacob, Jacob in Genesis 49, 33, 49, 33, when Jacob had made an end of commanding his sons, he gathered up his feet and he yielded up the ghost and was gathered Asaph unto his people. Aaron dies in Numbers 20, 26. Numbers 20, 26. And the command is given, strip Aaron of his garments. Put them on Eliezer, his son. Aaron shall be gathered, Asaph, unto his people and shall die there. And then finally, Moses himself in Deuteronomy 32, 50. Deuteronomy 32, 50. When God told Moses, die in the mount, whither thou goest up, and be gathered, Asaph, unto thy people, as Aaron thy brother died in Mount Hur, and was gathered, Asaph, unto his people. Very important word for God, speaking of believers, very important word for God for us to be gathered together with the people of God. So Moses, looking back on his life as a baby, he saw that he was cast out of his family's home. And so he was a stranger, even in the home of his birth. And this is the part also in Moses' mind that he had in mind as he named his firstborn son stranger, Gershom. And as he thought, from my own home, I've been a stranger, and I was expelled into an ark in the river. I was a stranger in my own home that I was born into. And he thinks of himself that way, and that's why he names the son Gershom. So the next stage that happened in Moses' life is recorded for us in, in verse 2, Exodus 2. 2, 4, sorry, Exodus 2, verse 4, where he's there in the ark, and it says, his sister stood afar off to wit what would be done to him, and the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river, and her maidens walked along by the riverside, and when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it, and when she had opened it, she saw the child, and lo, the babe wept, and she had compassion on him, and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. And said his, said his sister, then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call thee a nurse of the Hebrew women that she may nurse the child for thee? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. 
And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away, nurse it for me, and I will give you thy wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it, and the child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son, Pharaoh's daughter's son. And she called his name Moses, and she said, Because I drew him out of the water. Moses now is the son of the daughter of Pharaoh. And therefore, Moses had now the very best care, the very best upbringing, the very best education. The the tradition among the Jews is that this Pharaoh had no sons, but this daughter and this daughter had no children. So Moses, being the adopted son of this daughter, was slated to become the next Pharaoh. He was the prince. But it says here in Acts 7.21, when Stephen is commenting on this before he died, in Acts 7.21, Stephen said about Moses, when he was cast out, Pharaoh's daughter took him up and nourished him for her own son. And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and in deeds. So here was Moses now, no longer the son of a Jewish mother, but now Moses was, Exodus 2.10, thou grew and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She was now, he was now the son of an Egyptian who was Pharaoh's daughter. Moses was not named by his Jewish mother. Moses was named by his Egyptian mother. Moses was not even given a Hebrew name. Moses, which was the language of the Jewish people, obviously. But Moses was given an Egyptian name, which was the name, which was the language, obviously, of the Egyptians. And that's very significant when it says in verse 2, in Exodus 2, 10, sorry, 10, verse 10. 10. When it says in Exodus 2, 10, it says, she called his name Moses. Pharaoh's daughter named him from the Egyptian language meaning drawn out of water. And, uh, I mean, that's something to think about. I mean, we're not talking about just anybody in Jewish history. We're talking about Moses, the Moses. The Jews oftentimes speak about him as Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses, our teacher. Moses, our teacher, had a non-Jewish name, oy vey, (laughs) an Egyptian name. How can this be? (laughs) And just think of what it would be like if Moses was your name. Just picture yourself as if you were Moses. You had this name Moses. How would you feel every time you heard someone call your name or said your name, oh, Moses, 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 and you had to say, yeah, my name is Moses, and just put the meaning into that word. Take it back to the Egyptian language and say, drawn out of water, and every time you heard your name, you would hear someone say, oh, drawn out of water, Drawn out of water. Yes, my name is drawn out of water. I mean, how would that make you feel? I mean, you would feel that you were in great danger and you were drawn out of water. Well, and that's not bad for us. I mean, we should all, so we should all have the name Moses. We should all see ourselves as having been drawn out of the danger of water from our sins. We should remind us the great danger that we were in. It'd be good for us to have that name and remember how we were saved from our sins. But we can imagine how all through Moses' life, he said to himself, why do I have an Egyptian name? I'm not an Egyptian. I should have a Jewish name. You may remember that when we do the Hanukkah, 
is that there's that ninth candle, which is called the shamash, you know, which is, means the servant candle, and it lights the other ones. Well, my mother named me Thomas, which is not a Jewish name. And I used to say to my father, why don't I have a Jewish name? And my father would say to me, you do. You are Thomas the Shamash. <laughs> but there are many people that are Jewish that don't have Jewish names. Uh, Andrew is not a Jewish name. He was the brother of Peter. The brother of Peter, Peter was Jewish, no question about that. And his brother Andrew was Jewish, no question about that. But his brother's name was Andrew, and that's not a Jewish name. But that's the way it was. And uh, many people think that, well, because he didn't have a Jewish name, he wasn't Jewish. That's not true. Many people say, Luke, Luke is not a Jewish name. It's not. And so he must not be Jewish. And his profession, a doctor, who's ever heard of a Jewish doctor? <laughs> anyway, so every time Moses would hear his name, he would think to himself, I'm Jewish, I have an Egyptian name, I'm a stranger. I'm a stranger here in Egypt, Gershom on earth as a Jew in Egypt with an Egyptian name. And what was even worse was this meaning of the name drawn out of water. So every time he hears his name, he's thinking, I'm, I'm a stranger, I'm a stranger. And again, this is adding to why he names his son Gershom, a stranger. We can imagine Moses in the palace as a child. He's probably what we would call it, he was probably what we would call a difficult child as his Egyptian mother would just try to reason with him and say, now Moses, you know, you have to do your studies like every good little Egyptian boy, and we can imagine him exploding and say, don't call me Moses. That's an Egyptian name. I hate that name because I want a Hebrew name, and I'm not an Egyptian. I'm a Hebrew. And she probably sent him for therapy, I don't know, for counseling or something. I try to straighten the boy out. And he grew up in this rebellion and so it was Moses' name also that causes him to see himself as a stranger, as a Gershom. So he gives his son the name stranger. Now, even though Moses was heir to the throne of Egypt, he, he never felt like an Egyptian. He always felt like a stranger in the palace. And this, again, was creating more of this stranger feeling that he had. He felt so much a stranger that he made a critical decision. And this decision is recorded for us in Exodus 2.11, Exodus 2.11, where it says, it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out into his brethren and looked on their burdens, and he spied an Egyptian smiting a Hebrew, one of his brethren, and he looked this way and that way, and when he saw that there was no man, he slew the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. And then he went out the second day, behold, two men of the Hebrews strove together, and he said to him that did the wrong, wherefore smitest thou thy fellow? And he said, who made thee a prince and a judge over us? Intendest thou to kill me as thou killest the Egyptian? Moses feared and said, surely this thing is known. So these words are very, very important in verse 10 when it says, when Moses was grown, he went out unto his brethren. And they're saying more than just that when Moses got older, he left the palace one day. It's saying much more than that. Those words, he went out, are telling us that Moses really went out of the palace to go to his brethren. He went to deliver them. He wanted to save them from the burdens that were on him, from the Egyptians. So verse 11 with the he went out is telling us of a great decision that Moses had made. And that, was, that, that decision was that in his life, Moses says, I have contempt for the honors that Egypt is gonna, wants to bestow on me as a prince. I have contempt for the pleasures that Egypt is offering. And uh, 
you know, whenever I read those words, he went out, it, it reminds me of a, of, a, of a dear friend who's with the Lord now in glory, uh, Bert Poole, who, along with his wife, Muriel, was a missionary to Japan. And they, they lived near here in, in Lakeside. Anybody remember Bert? Anybody know Bert? Nobody knows Bert. Okay. Then I can tell you whatever one. You don't know. No, it's okay. But <laughs> no, I'll tell you the truth. But Bert was a wordsmith. Oh, he was so good with words. I remember one time he came to visit me on Willow Road out there, and we lived on the dirt roads part of in base. So we lived up at the base of El Capitan Mountain up the hill a little bit. We had 300 goats. And, and I remember one time he came up the driveway to visit me, and he, and, he, and he started singing this song. He said, high on a hill was a lonely goat herd. <laughs> Yodel, little lady, oh, hey, you. you know, loud was the voice of the lonely goat herd. And he sang this. And I, I, anyway, that was Bert. Bert just could write lyrics beautifully, and Muriel would set them to music. In creating the new hymnal, the Friendship with God hymnal, I called this person and that person, and they looked in this trunk and that trunk, and we were able to collect a lot of Bert's old songs, and they're in the hymnal there. And there's one song that I can imagine Moses singing in the palace as he made his decision to go out, and the title of that song, what we sing is called Let It Go By. Let it go by. We should all learn it. And here's how, it, here's how the, the, the words go. He says, it tried to woo me and to pursue me. My affections captivate and lead me on. Then my love, it tried to steal with alluring sense appeal till the Savior won my heart with Calvary's love. Let it go by. Let it go by. Let the world go swiftly by. I don't need it. I don't want it. For the chill of death is in its beckoning cry. Draw me nearer, blessed Savior, close enough to shelter from the tempest, tempter's skill. Let me read thy holy word. Pray until thy voice I heard. And let the fickle world out there go passing by. And then he goes on. How life was wasting while I was tasting all the dainties of the flesh, the eye, the world. And I could not lend for him, turning ears to Satan's din till the Savior cleansed my life with Calvary's love. Let it go by. Let it go by. Let the world go by swiftly till I don't need it. I don't want it. For the chill of death is in its beckoning cry. Draw me nearer, blessed Savior, close enough to thy shelter from the tempter's skill. Let me read thy holy word. Pray until thy voice I heard and let the fickle world out there go passing by. I could just imagine Moses in the palace there. I can imagine him singing, I'm letting it go by. I'm letting Egypt go swiftly by. I don't need it. I don't want it. The chill of death is in its beckoning cry. So for Moses at this point, it was in spite of being raised an Egyptian, these, he said, these Jewish people are my people. These Jewish people are the people of Moses, and he didn't forget, and the Jewish people were Moses' people. For Moses, it was that in spite of having all Egypt before him as his possession, Moses identified with the enslaved Jewish people. The Jewish people were his people. And this decision that Moses made to go out from the palace, this is what Stephen is capturing when he said in Acts 7.23, Acts 7.23, when Moses was full 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit this brethren. 
the children of Israel. So it's a decision that is also described in Hebrews 11.24, Hebrews 11.24, where it says, by faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Don't call me an Egyptian. Don't call me that. Choose, well, that's not in there. It just says, refuse to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. So when the verse says that Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, this is where we see Moses as an Egyptian just rebelling and saying no. This was a great life-changing choice that Moses had when it says choosing rather to suffer affliction. For Moses, it was a case where he's saying, I'm gonna be a son of Abraham, not a son of Pharaoh's daughter. And when Moses made that decision out there, there was no turning back when he went out and he killed the Egyptian. And that was it, he cut the cord. And so he now is, again, a stranger in, in, the, in the house of Pharaoh because Exodus 2.15 says, Exodus 2.15, now when Pharaoh heard this thing, he sought to slay Moses, but Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. So he's fleeing from the face of Pharaoh. He's a stranger now, really a stranger, in Egypt. And so again, this is what's behind his desire to name his son Stranger. So now... Moses, having cut the cord because now he's killed the Egyptian on, on day one, so now day two, he's going from Egypt, again, to the Jewish people to deliver them, and the response of the Jewish people was spoken by this one Jewish man in Exodus 2.14 was, ha, who made thee a prince and a judge over us? And in those words, that was Israel's response to Moses which is a response of, of Moses, of how they despised Moses. You can hear them in, in their homes, the Jewish homes, and they try to say, look at that Moses living in the lap of luxury. He's not a one of us. He doesn't care about us. Uh, we, we hate him. We despise him. So they despised Moses. When he went out there to deliver him, they rejected Moses, and it's elaborated on. It's elaborated on by Stephen in Acts 7.27. Acts 7.27 when, he, when Stephen said, he that did his neighbor wrong thrust him away, saying, who made thee a ruler and a judge over us? So those words that thrust Moses away, shoved him away, was Israel's decision about Moses. How Israel thrust their savior Moses away. And Moses, this is when, this is when Moses came the first time. Don't forget there are two times when he comes to the Jewish people. Moses came this time, which is the first time. He will come again 40 years later, second time. But now this is the first time, and this is exactly how Israel thrust the Lord Jesus Christ away when he came to the Jewish people the first time 2,000 years ago. So gently put, I guess you'd say, in John 1.11. John 1.11, when it says about the Lord Jesus, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. Might as well say, he came unto his own, and his own thrust him away. Just like with Moses. Speaking about the Jewish people, Moses came unto his own. So Moses is despised. Moses is rejected, just like the Lord Jesus was. From Isaiah 53.3, Isaiah 53.3, where it describes the Lord Jesus 
as he's despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. We hid, as it were, the Jewish people speaking, we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He is despised, and we esteemed him not. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org.